remembering on both sides that civility is not a sign of weakness and sincerity is always subject to proof. Let us never negotiate out of fear, but let us never fear to negotiate. You are listening to Speaker Points, an NSD China podcast. Hello and welcome to Speaker Points, an NSDA China podcast. I'm here today with Ellen Ma. Ellen Ma was a NSDA debater in her time in high school, and since then, she's come back recently to be an intern for the National Speech and Debate Association of China. So we wanted to interview her today to talk about her debate experience and also find out. What it's like to be an intern, because we're going to have a summer internship program and have more opportunities for former debaters to be interns for the NSDA League. So, with that being said, I'd like to welcome Ellen Ma. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Kale. My pleasure, and I have to also say thank you for. The hard work you've done, Ellen has been the editor for our podcast as well for most of the episodes. <laughs> I would say that also just as conducive to me as to the audiences because I get to listen to all the absolutely amazing interviews with other former debaters and other participants in this field, and yeah, it comes across as very educational for me as well. Well, that's good to hear. At least now I can be confident that one person is being educated by this podcast. I wish we would get more feedback.、Uh, that's a call out to anyone else who's listening. Please send us feedback to nsdachina@gmail.com and let me know. What you think of the podcast, and anything we can do to make it better, or any ideas you have for us to improve. So, Ellen, you're from Nimbo, right? Yeah, that's correct. And you debated in high school. What high school did you go to? Actually, it was kind of funny because I didn't go to one of these international high schools that's designed for students who want to go abroad in the future, and provided them with the A level courses and other normal routine of how to get into a Foreign university, so I went to one of these ordinary high schools catered to the normal routine of you know cram for three years for the college entrance exam, and then have gao kao, and then yeah, if luckily enough we can enter one of our ideal universities, and yeah, that's pretty much it. So I would say my experience with debate was kind of unique. Yeah, it wasn't really a、um, prevailing. Experiences or activities in schools like my high school. Yeah, speech and debate is definitely more prolific in the international schools. In Nimbo, while I was there, we managed to get、uh, number two high school on board, and they did debate. We had a class. They came to our tournaments, stuff like that. But you don't. Generally, see very many domestic schools engaging、yes. in speech and debate. Yes,、uh, that's correct. Oh yeah, I think I left out the part of what my school's name actually was. It was really pleasant for me to see that my school's name actually appeared on last seasons of the tournament in Zhejiang region. You know that the name of my school appeared on the competing list because when I was a judge for that tournament in Zhejiang region, right,、uh, the staff told me that we need to have further information of 
what school that you went to before so we can arrange to avoid those concerns of, oh you went to that same school uh, with the kids so you might relate to that experiences and then you might have some preference for them so I was like nah, no worry I'm sure my school wouldn't be <laughs> you know one of the lists because I didn't even recall anybody heard of NSCA back at that time so I told them it was Huijin Academy and a staff ran it for me and I was like yeah your school's on there it was in a list. And I was like, yeah, wow, that's great progress. I mean, the NSDA has becoming more and more acknowledged amongst the domestic high school students. So yeah, I went to Huijin Academy and now they they have more students competing in SDA. And I'm sure a lot of other domestic high schools like Huijin Academy have been a part of NSDA co- tournaments for a while now. Yeah, I agree with you. It's very promising and it's a good sign that it's spreading to more schools. I think I went and spoke with them actually a few months before that tournament. I got to speak to a bunch of students there and they had a debate club and had a lot of interested kids. Not only were interested in debate, but interested in international relations, things going on outside of Mm -hmm. China, stuff like that. But they just didn't know that something like NSDA was an option or they didn't know that they really had a chance to compete, like that they could do well. They assumed that it was something that was only for international school students. But from my experience, some of the kids I taught at number two high school had better English than some of the international students I taught at other schools in Nimbo. I was really impressed the first time I started teaching there that even though this is a domestic school focused on the Gaokao, I mean, their English language skills are competitive with the students in the international school. Yeah, I agree with that. I remember when I was judging in Beijing regionals, I at first also assumed that, well, maybe with all that international schools, you know, notable schools in Beijing, there must be a lot of competitors coming from those schools. But it turned out that there were some really competitive teams that are actually from yeah, high schools. They're English it's impeccable. Yeah. Do you have an opinion or any thoughts on why you think the students in domestic schools maybe are less likely to get involved? Yes, I do have some opinions to contribute to this topic, actually. Uh, Before I officially joined the internship with NSDA, I also had some part-time experiences working with other debate associations or platforms that give the resource of debate and speech to the schools. And it was really hard time trying to promote the, the brand or like market into the domestic schools, because especially when those platforms are not as big scale as NSDA or like well-known already. You guys are established on the background of historical association in America, which stems from something that already has a foundation in America already. And for the smaller platforms or startups, they will have a very hard time to explain what English debate and speech was actually about. So judging from those interactions with those schools in other domestic high schools and middle schools even, or primary schools in Ningbo or other, you know, tier two cities, domestic schools, right? Mm. Uh, They were worried that their students' English levels are not high enough to be competitive enough in competitions like this. So it might, in a way, jeopardize their confidence and make them think like they're less than in competitions like this. And they might not gain enough confidence or like positive experiences throughout these tournaments and to make them think like, okay, maybe I can do this as well. And a second reason is that their schedules are very packed up 
especially when it entered senior high, because if it's for the freshman year, it was okay for them to have one or two selective courses and to have a debate club. But I'm pretty much sure that students leaders of those clubs are not the graduating students. So they are afraid that they might not have much time to research and especially for public forum debate. It was really academical to consume up to months to do one research or on one topic. And this might take up all of their extracurricular time, which they're used for crim classes nowadays, right? <laughs> for Especially yeah. for math and Chinese, yeah, which is more than 50% um, in the final grades of their college entrance exam. So this is the major concern of their parents. Because this, like, these kind of activities, apart from the schools, I would say, also comes as a choice for those parents. This will come as an investment for the parents. They will think like, okay, if the money I spent on the kids for them to undergo such uh, debate training or speech training is worth it, for this college entrance exam. If I don't see a short-term outcome out of this debate and speech training, because these trainings are conducive more in a long-term way to the students for their critical thinking, for their way of like expressing themselves or how they can really dig into a topic and be insightful in, in their writing, of course, as well as speaking. So their parents are thinking that, okay, if I don't see a direct correlation with their grades in English, for example, and the training of debate, these are futile to my kids, you know, days to come. And I might want more of my money to pour into the pockets of cram schools. And that's actually not just exclusive to the domestic schools. It's definitely a bigger problem in domestic schools, but even in the international schools, the kids' time is so limited. They're being pushed from so many directions to do so many different things. And we actually always, no matter what school they come from, see a big drop off in 11th grade, really, because of tests for college interest exams, college applications, mm -hmm. stuff like that. Kids become, I mean, it's not their fault because they're getting told by their parents, by their counselor, by their teachers, by all these adults that if you don't focus on getting a perfect grade on your test, then your whole life will be ruined, right? Every exactly, exactly. second of your life needs to be devoted to studying to this test because if you don't pass the test, you're not going to get into a good school and you're not going to get a good job and no one's going to want to marry you and you're going to die old <laughs> and alone and poor on the street. Right. Exactly. This is one of the ideology that the majority of parents or schools have here, especially in domestic high schools, saying that this is now or never situation, mm -hmm. which is <laughs> not actually that logical, you know. Well, future point, but, yeah. yeah, I'm sure you're learning this now, and I as an adult know this, <laughs> and, and we as adults know this, that that's kind of a lie. Yeah. Some of the people I know who are most successful in life didn't have good grades or test scores and stuff. There's so much more to life after that. Now, I'm not trying to say that having good grades and test scores isn't important. It is. It does set up opportunities for you. But there's a real problem, I think, with putting so much pressure on students that their life is going to be miserable without perfect test scores. That's where it gets damaging, in a sense, not just in terms of stress, but like the mental health of students. Every once in a while, you see a really sad story of a student that does something 
very harsh to themselves or those around them because of all this pressure that they feel. Exactly. If it were true, that'd be one thing, you know, in times of war, like, hey, war's tough, you got to get through it and stuff. But this isn't war. We know that as these kids get older, they're going to have other opportunities. Their life isn't over just after their exam happens. <laughs> and it just really feels like we're lying to them. And then the other part I don't like about that is I really don't think that extracurriculars like speech and debate takes away from good test scores. I think it actually helps them. I mean, they act like if they engage in these activities and don't spend time test prepping, then their scores going down. But evidence shows and anecdotal evidence from my experience in speech and debate that kids who participate in extracurriculars like speech and debate actually get improved test scores because they're not just sitting around playing PUBG or you know, <laughs> Overwatch, right? They're engaging in critical thinking and analysis and evidentiary discussion. They're using the parts of their brain that they need to be able to perform well on stressful situations like a standardized test. And I just really disagree with the premise that there's some sort of trade-off that if you do one, the other one will suffer. I think they complement each other. Yeah, I agree with that. And um, on top of those opinions, I would say that the major hindrance that's standing between the debate and speak training and the parents' will to actually let their kids off to do it is that they wanted a short-term and quick you know, result-oriented yeah. training. And I would say that the debate and speech training can go on maybe for 10 years or 20 years of your life. Like I would say the happiest time or most educational time were the time when I was under the training of debate and speech because that includes a lot of skills that I will need later on in life. And this is not something that we will see directly on the test. Maybe, yeah, uh, in, to some extent with the with the international students, but with the domestic high school students, you can only maybe reflect somewhat in their English test, but they will see that in future studies, for example, in university studies, it's inevitable to come across some researches, including, you know, the English part and some researches that are conducted overseas, and they need to kind of understand the research background and then translate it or excerpt the ideas from those researchers into their own studies in the future research area. So that would be more than beneficial than they will actually think from the first place. So this is a very important part to stress to those parents or the schools that you can determine if it's good for the kid now. But you will see the, the benefits in the long run and not just focusing on the upcoming challenge, which is the exam, of course, but there are still other challenges you know, to come in the future. Yeah, and that we haven't even touched on the like persuasive skills, the social skills, the leadership skills that, you know, are so essential in the job market today that speech and debate provides also. I want to go back real quick to the first hurdle, though, you talked about mm -hmm. for domestic students was worry that... I can't be competitive, that worry that I'm starting from behind, not having the confidence to go out there and give it a shot to take a risk and try and be worried about failure. Since you obviously mm -hmm. decided to take that leap, what helped give you the confidence to do debate for the first time and what kept you going back? 
Oh, okay. I think that my experience is worth telling a little bit. Yeah, applicable for a lot of domestic high school students because I started off not knowing anything as well, and since the speech and debate field and let's say the market for those. Competitions kind of, you know, intertwined with each other because one student who is attending this competition might know about other competitions as well. So these competitions are not only the places for you to gain experiences, but also make a lot of friends from other schools. I would want to shout out to Carrie, <laughs> who is my first. Partner in NSA tournaments, and I didn't know anything about English before. So we met actually in another competition, which is 21st Century English Speech Contest. She didn't actually get into the nationals, not because her English is not good, but because her English too good a little bit. Let's say the speech focuses more on the performance and like the impact you have on the audience, and her way of conveying her idea was really, you know, <laughs> in the rebuttal style. I would say the very coherent and logical wording, and that the speed of her speech was wow. And I was like, she spoke way too fast. I was actually marveling at her speaking, you know, skill and the speed of her <laughs> speech. So I asked her, wow, where did you get that? And she was like, actually, I did a lot of debate, and I am still doing a lot of debate, English debate during high school time. So that was the first time I ever heard of the concept of it. So ironically, I didn't get to like the very top of the national competition, the first prize. So I kind of focused too much on the fluency. I tried to get my point across. I tried to show off how 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 good I could speak. But that's the thing about original oratory or oratory in a whole is that it doesn't really matter how good your English is. It's The ability of you to resonate with the audience, to strike their soul, to to let them have this aha moment, or have the idea that wow, you really spoke the truth, you know, and I could totally relate to that. That is me, and that is the world, or something like that. So after that experience, I asked, yeah, Carrie. So yeah, what was it, the big thing you were talking about? I think we're more suitable <laughs> in that situation where we can freely attack opponents' ideas and we can just talk as fast as we could, and you know, not worrying about if we're giving enough hand gestures or using enough body languages. <laughs> the main part is that we can voice ourselves in more ample. Content, right? So she introduced me. I was really, really thankful for her at that point because we didn't have that kind of resource or access to the debate training at that time. Or、uh, yeah, the NSE wasn't providing any courses or having any partnership with our school. So Carrie invited me to her. Being what, right? Being both foreign language school, where Kale was a coach, and and that's how I met Kale as well, right? In the classes, and that was super mind blowing to me. And I thought, wow, maybe there was a whole different world out there. The most important part, or the most important aspect that actually drew me into the competition, is when Carrie told me that. It's okay. Nobody will judge you for being, you know, a domestic high school student or being, you know, not as resourceful as we did because we've done it so many times already. We've participated in so many tournaments. We've fly from region to region to compete in those tournaments, and that's what you're also gonna do. Think less of how you will perform in one debate or one tournament. Instead, focusing on how much fun you will have during the process of. Competing with different students and accumulate your 
knowledge and improve your skills during that kind of process. That was what really drew me into the concept of tournaments. It's because it had more times of the competition, yeah, let's say, in comparison to the 21st century speech. Because in that kind of competition, you will only be required to stand up on one stage or to compete with one a group of students for many times, but here instead in a debate society where you can, you know, freely compete with different kind of students, that's when you know that, okay, maybe the first few awkward debates doesn't really matter anymore because I am learning along the way. And that's what's most important. And I feel really welcome in their school and her classmates are also helping me out with the research and because that was the first time of me at, you know, formally conducting a research. And that was the time I made up my mind that this is something that I wanted to do or contribute my time and energy to maybe for a while. That's a really great story. You hadn't ever told me the full story. I like it a lot. And it's very telling and true about our competition yeah, you're competing with other kids, but there is such a sense of community as well. And even though you might be someone's opponent, you're still a member of their family because you too like engaging in critical thinking, big complex issues, testing your limits. I think a lot of kids don't realize when they go to a tournament that they're going to be surrounded by thousands of other kids who are like, oh, cool, you're in the club too. You like this also. It's not yeah. something where they're trying to kill you or anything. And your social network expanded at that time. You know, every time you enter a tournament and you can see now with the, you know, meeting program and the WeChat coming up. So people just, you know, scan me and add me. We can share more information on this topic later on. And I would really love to discuss with you about this matter because this is some opportunities that students like me or other domestic high school students wouldn't otherwise have in their own schools. And the boundaries amongst the schools are blurred <laughs> and they will have a better sense of we're in this together and we're all debaters. And so it doesn't really matter what kind of school you're coming from. We have the same interests and we're a group. Yeah, I think that's something that's really unique about NSDA. I mean, there are lots of speech competitions, lots of debate competitions, and leagues and things like that. But something I think NSDA does better than anyone else in China is cultivating a community. You talked about the breaking down the boundaries of different schools, but also helping break down economic, social, cultural boundaries between people that you may not interact with. Here in China, you're being interacting with Chinese students from all over the country, from different economic backgrounds, different social backgrounds, these sorts of things. But then you even get the opportunity to go abroad for some tournaments and get to meet students from all over the world that uh, kind of brings us all together more. So you just did public forum debate while you were in NSDA. When you think back to when you debated in tournaments, is there one tournament experience that is the fondest, the one you think about the most or is really memorable to you? Do you have like an experience like that that you will think you will always remember? I think I will remember all of my tournaments experiences <laughs> in terms of the times that are actually limited. <laughs> um, yeah, during that time, I, because when I yeah set foot in this realm, I was actually approaching the time where I had my own uh, yeah college entrance exam. I was approaching the age limit. <laughs> I wouldn't love to <laughs> participate in more debates, but yeah, there was an age limit, not older than eighteen, right? 
Mm -hmm. Well, it, graduate from high school. Technically, yeah, there's no age limit, but hopefully <laughs> yeah, you're but done with high school by 19 at least. <laughs> yeah. So the first and the last tournaments will always be like memorable. So the first tournament was the one that Kara introduced me to the Ningbo original. I wouldn't call it the fondest, but I would say it was very educational for both of us because it came to our realization that sometimes it doesn't really matter how you think you've nailed the debate. It will always be a different opinions in the judge's mind. And if you fail to address them in a proper manner, if you make them feel that they're left out and you're just busy attacking your opponents, maybe in some scenarios they will vote for the opponent just because the lack of manner of yeah you addressing the issue to them and make it clear for them because not all of them are native english speakers and sometimes they might find one definition or one content really perplexing and they couldn't just ask you right so they will try to find really hard what are you talking about and if you just brush over the thing that it might sound difficult to them yeah, it will be a deductive point. That's something that we first encountered a tournament and Carrie was sad, but I told her and you told her as well that sometimes this happened. And I think this is one of the charms of NSC as well because we don't always invite like the professional professionals. That's I think one of the other, you know, great challenge for the debaters because they will also remember to address the problem in a more acceptable way to the ordinary people. I think that was a really educational moment for both me and Carrie. And I also like the national very much. That was my last tournament. And I encountered the greatest debaters of all time, I would say, are those debaters from SAS High School. And they were, wow, invincible. <laughs> See, that's the moment I realized what was standing <laughs> in front of me and them, like what's, what's separating us from them. Because for them, that language is no longer an issue. Right? This is something that they wouldn't consider about during their practices or during. But for us, it's something that we will sometimes still struggle at. It's not our first language. We'll still, yeah, pondering over what the terminology to use, what kind of phrases that we could better let ourselves understood. But for them, it's just putting the laptop on the little table that they brought at that time and then steer right into the judge's eyes and start off the whole session of speech without comas. Wow. <laughs> like there, there are not any <laughs> breaks between them. I don't know. I think the judges are already used to this <laughs> really strong debaters at that time. But for us, it was a total new experience. So I asked Carrie, what was that about? Like, they didn't even have to pause between those speeches. And so we are still struggling to maybe make one of our contentions stand out. And it was pretty struggling at that time, you know, in the face of their thousands of contentions, <laughs> overwhelmingly crashing over us. So Carrie was like, yeah, you've met SAS. <laughs> and... <laughs> We were lucky enough to compete with other students because I remembered very clearly that three teams in a row were all from SAS high school. So uh, we were in a situation where we were totally crushed over by those <laughs> debaters. And that was the time I also, you know, made up my own mind saying that maybe this is a period of finishing your debate career in high school, but there's so many things you could learn in the days to come. And what you can learn from the SAS students or debaters is that they already 
immerse themselves into the environment like this. Like they no longer learn English. They use English to do other research. The idea of English no longer exists. It's, it's just a way of speech, right?、Mm-hmm. So for me, I know what areas I want to improve myself in and to further my studies in. Well, that's a good segue to talk about what you've been doing since high school and your debate. You know, furthering your studies. Where are you going to school now, and what's your major? What are you studying? Oh, okay. This was the interesting topic.、Uh, okay, first of all, for the informative part, that name, the university of my school is Beijing Foreign Studies University. So the major background it says is still foreign studies. Which is one of my interests, but due to some very complicated reasons during the enrollment process, I had the equivalence of ED, right, early decision in foreign universities. So the majors that were offered in those ED process was kind of limited as well. Actually, I could only choose amongst the minor languages that are studied in the university. Let's say Greek or Italian. Well, Italian is kind of big, actually. <laughs>、um, Greek. Czech,、mm. Polish, yeah, languages like that in European countries. So I went with what was considered to be the most optimal option. It was Finnish, that the language that Finnish people, you know, are speaking in Finland. Under the consideration of their well-developed society and the really mature education system that they set up in the country. Because Finland has reputation for their higher education study, especially in universities like Helsinki University. So I took the chance of having a one-year exchange program with the university in Helsinki. I thought it was a really great opportunity for me to actually study abroad you know, under the、um, scholarship that provided by the government. But later on, and this is also another reason why I chose to have this gap year, like applied for this gap year to kind of return to my original. Passion is because the more I studied a foreign language, the more I realized that if you want to truly excel in it, you have to be very interested in its culture, background, and something about its national identity. But I find it hard to relate myself with a foreign country that I've never looked into before university. Let's say if I study Japanese and I've watched animation throughout my whole life, so this kind of you know cultural and historical background or context was somewhat intertwined with my own life. Then I will have to some extent the understanding of the culture already, you know, the pre-existing knowledge before universities, but absolutely zero knowledge. Of that country before university, and then I realized that to set foot in the study area and to really look into the country, you have to like the country. I would make an analysis of this as blind dating. So if, just consider yourself as blind dating with someone else that your parents set you up with. So your parents are telling you that he's rich, he's handsome, he has everything you need. But at the very end of the day, whether you will be continuing to date with this person or just you know have one date with this person. Will be concluded under one standard is that if you have feeling for this person, I would say it's like that to actually strengthen your motivation to study, right? So I found myself losing the kind of motivation along the way, considering how hard the language is, how little knowledge I had or am having with this country. Like the only thing I know good about this country or the benefits that it can bring me is the educational resource. But this is something you can do. Even without studying Finnish, right? That's the problem here. That's what really makes me thinking. The scholars and the scholars who grant scholarships in Finland—they more than eighty percent of them are、um, English majors. Even the ambassadors, even the people who are working there, or 
like the foreigners who want to immigrate there in the countries, they start off learning English. And more than 90% of them speak perfect English, just like any other Northern country. So that made me think, is it really necessary for me to be the expert in Finnish language and its culture or its history thousand years ago? Is this really something that's my passion for the life? Maybe not. So that also came across for me as a period of not knowing exactly, you know, what my life would head. And if I dig too deep into one realm of study that I not particularly enjoy, you know, complying under you know, the guidelines of other people or the schools, encouraging you that you're good at this, so you should do this. And I would suggest you other students or high school students while they were picking the majors. Yeah, it was actually a big problem when it comes to a lot of students. I've heard um, the younger freshmen asking me, hey, Ellen, can you tell me which language is the best? And I asked her, what do you mean which language is the best? And there's no best or worst language. And there's only language that you love to study or the language that you relate yourself to and you feel like you want to study. Those students are considering their major only based on their future career path. For example, how much money would I make if I study this minor language, if I study Italian, for example, how much the market is willing to pay me because I am such a rare or scarce resource and not many people are studying Italian. So how special would that make me? And I was already special enough. I'm one of the maybe 20 students who are studying Finnish in the whole country. I was more than special. That's something that many people couldn't even think of. And when they heard of my major, they were like, wow, you're really one of a kind. Wow, what a special major. It first sounded like a compliment, and then it slowly morphed into something that's deeper in a self-identity recognition issue, where I was thinking, is it really something I want people to think that it's good or it's really good for me and it's really something that I wanted to learn because you only live once you don't want to live for other people or live for the market or live for a really satisfactory wage that you'll have in the future so I would say that during that time I didn't stop my English studies and other you know model United Nations and international relations <laughs> something that's broader something that interests me more I already contributed so much of my time and energy into speech and debate and the kids or other you know students in my city they loved me when I was a speech teacher or coach so I realized that maybe for me Finnish is not that appealing anymore and that comes to a stage where I question myself do I need to maybe take a break from the university and think of what I really want to do in the future and that's also a suggestion for many of the domestic students in university or high schools that it's not a shame to apply for a gap year from the university. It's it's not something, you know, you need to feel compelled to do. To finish, <laughs> no pun intended, <laughs> to finish your study within the four years of range and to be on the same life clock as anybody else. And if you are having second thought about what you chose in the first hand, there's always chance to, you know, rethink about it and to really probe into the areas that you like, what your soul is calling and what your interests really lie. So to me, it was a really great experience for me to actually have some time off. Let's talk about how you're spending that free time with the internship at NSDA China. How did you get introduced to the opportunity to intern within SDA China or what gave you the idea? How did you end up in it? 
Oh, okay. Let me recall for some details. <laughs> the first experience of maybe not officially working for NSCA would be the judging experience in Beijing while I was still in college. And every time when there was a tournament coming around, that was maybe the best weekend of the month or of that season. I was always looking forward to it and to you know further talk with other judges because you will see that the community not only expanded in the students but also with other foreign judges in the field. You will talk about the experience of being a judge and that was really fun. You can also meet other former debaters uh, in the area and you can talk about what brings you to the society, what brings you to this community. And after I officially applied for the gap year from the university and I thought that maybe it was a really great time for me to start engaging myself with real work, internship or working for NSDA as a documented experience because it will require me to meet the working deadlines or the working requirements or from the company or from KO directly and to make more contributions to NSDA as a part of building the brand and um, to do something I really like. I asked the person who connected with me in Beijing you know, for the judging experience. So she told me that you can talk to this academical director in China <laughs> who is American and he's really easygoing. Oh, who is it? And she's like, his name's Kale. Oh, wow. So after everything it all came down to the very first experience and the very first encounters with Kale and I was like, Wow, he was my first coach, and I think it would be a really great opportunity for me to reconnect with him again and talk about the details. So yeah, that's how I got here. It's a small world. Uh, have you enjoyed your time as an internship? Is it what you expected? Yes, definitely. I expected a lot of researching, a lot of studying, a lot of learning experiences as well. I would say a lot of people, when they enter the workplace, it's more of a process of output rather than input. So they would focus less on what to learn along the process, but what to give the company. But I would say learning is something that nobody should stop doing, you know, throughout the whole process of life. And because during the time when you're enriching yourself, you're actually contributing more to your working out. The project you're designing will turn out, you know, better than other people who are not absorbing new knowledge. So I would say uh, the researching and studying process kind of remind me of the good old times when I was researching for a topic in high school. And yeah, and I had the chance to be insightful and objective overall and to cater to the needs of the students in terms of making classes or designing courses. And this is really important because seeing in what you can process easily is not necessarily something easy for the kids. So that's two major lessons I learned from the internship process and enjoying a great deal. <laughs> that's good to hear. Is there a trait you would say is most valuable for an incoming intern? What I mean by that is for someone who is thinking about doing an internship with NSDA China, what sort of traits or what sort of characteristics do you think they need to have to make the most out of the experience? Uh, thank you for asking. My suggestion is that considering the status quo of most of the internship that is to come in, in a CA, I believe most of them will be really outstanding graduates from prestige universities overseas, let's say Ivy League or something like that. And their expectations might be high economical-wise. They will expect in a CA or uh, the group to give them an offer that's maybe higher than 
other companies and to make them feel like you really want me in this company. In terms of that mindset, I would say the more the students achieve in their academical backgrounds or in universities, the more they will expect. The first thing fresh out of universities into the workplace is that they want to establish, you know, a sense of competence. They want to company to acknowledge that, okay, we are more competent than 90% of the laborers on the market or other. So to say something to that mindset, something that's applicable to maybe all of the um, students that's fresh out of universities, that no matter how high your expectations might be, this equal position for everyone. It emphasizes less on your background, but more on the actual contribution that you make to the company. So everyone could be seen as a blank paper in the very beginning. So what matters more is not what comes before, but what comes after. All right. Well, I think that pretty much covers the things we want to cover. I think the students will gain a lot from your insight. And I hope that even maybe some parents would be listening or some school administrators, because I think you make a great case in lots of different ways on how valuable and important speech and debate was not just to you, but to any student, in my opinion. And I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down and talk with me and share your experience and wisdom with all the listeners out there. With pleasure. Usually at the end, I do try to give one last opportunity. If you have any sort of shout out you want to give uh, some. Yeah, thank you for the opportunities of shout out. I actually like this part of the interview where the students can they thank you to a lot of people that, you know, helped them along the way. Well, I first I wanted to shout out to NSCA, for sure, for giving me the opportunity of the internship, even though I know, well, I'm not as outstanding as those undergraduates or master's degree or PhDs in the fields, but um, I contribute to the project in my own way, I would say that. Absolutely. <laughs> and second of all, I will, yeah, shout out to Kayla and Carrie, two major <laughs> inspirers along the way to help me or guided me into the debate society in the first place. And I also wanted to shout out to my friend Peter. He's a owner of the startup company who is uh, dedicating the resources on college student debate and speech, which is something I think that's really worth doing as well, because unlike the high school and uh, middle school and the universities, but for those university students, they already, you know, lack the kind of motivation to do debate and speech again. So what he is doing is right now to send more incentives to the university student, introduce them to British parliament debate, which is the major format of university English debate, encourage them to engage themselves with more debate and speech practices. And because he's a startup company, so I don't think he's like really profiting in the process. Instead, he's focusing like how to actually letting the university students like debate and speech. So that is something I think that's really novel. So I want to shout out to him. Yeah, it's very cool. And it's always inspiring to find passionate debaters getting to continue their passion past high school. Not everyone gets that opportunity. So I want to say thank you once again and want to tell everyone out there who listening, thanks for sticking with us to the end of the interview. Please remember to 
contact us at nsdachina at gmail.com for any thoughts or suggestions or feedback on the show and make sure to subscribe to the podcast anywhere you get podcasts we're on apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher many different opportunities to subscribe and leave us a rating and give us a review it increases the chance that others will find the podcast and get to share in the experience so once again thank you very much for listening and stay safe out there wash your hands 加油! I'll help you with that phrase